Welcome to Plasia 15, the Outer Rim's only remaining direct democracy. As per Article 9 of the Coruscant Accords, permission must be granted from High Senate for access to self-defense forces in the peacekeeping zone. Do you grant permission to scan your chain code? The Planet's Imperial droids were reprogrammed for peace. I personally oversaw the program. I can assure you they were completely rehabilitated for peaceful purposes exclusively. We thought. We send down a small recon party. We'll scout the surface, find out what remains of the Great Forge, and establish a safe perimeter. How did these others survive? We were hidden on the moon of Concordia. We'll rebuild it. Isn't that our history? For thousands of years, we have been on the verge of extinction. And for thousands of years, we have survived. Mandalorians are stronger together. You found underground gardens. No, we planted farms. These are the old species indigenous to Mandalore. They've been dormant since before the centuries of civil war. Once the planet was abandoned, they sprouted in spots. We cultivated farms. Life persists. I never knew the surface could still sustain plant life. All they need is room to grow. I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi. Hello there. The highest levels are involved in the conspiracy. Nancy Pelosi is Emperor Palpatine. Palpatine. We must be the great arsenal of democracy. 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 I love democracy. Democracy. All who gain power are afraid to lose it. Fear. 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 Keep the local systems in line. Line. Truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Point of view. Welcome to the Conspiracy in the Force podcast. Star Wars, conspiracies, and more. With your host, me, Conspiracy Kyle. Kyle. Rebellions built on hope. Hope. For God commanded the light to shine out of darkness. 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 As long as there's light, 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 we got a chance. Chance. This is what Luke says before he goes to the toilet. This is Red 5. I'm going in. Good morning. Sunday morning. Welcome back to another episode of Conspiracy in the Force. I'm your host, Conspiracy Kyle. This podcast today will close out Season 2 of this Conspiracy in the Force podcast show, where we will be discussing the final three episodes of The Mandalorian Season 3, not to confuse you, chapters 22 through 24, where the respective episode titles are Guns for Hire, The Spies, and The Return. I plan on taking a break for a while to focus on some other projects, while pondering the future of this podcast. Follow me at conspiracy underscore Kyle, that's conspiracy with a K, on Twitter and Instagram to follow along with my future projects. I plan on writing and producing some music under my The Prodigal One artist name, as well as some Conspiracy in the Force themed books and writing projects. 
A big thank you to all who have supported this podcast to this point. I really appreciate everything you've done. Now let's get into some of the conspiracy themes and biblical themes present in these final three Mandalorian episodes. Now, before we do that, however, I have to discuss the elephant in the room that was Chapter 22, Guns for Hire, the so-called Jack Black and Lizzo episode. This was honestly one of the worst pieces of Star Wars media I've ever seen. Now, I would hate for Star Wars to become a playground for highly visible celebrities, because it really takes you out of the story and out of the universe. Besides that, it was just poorly written and executed. It almost felt like one of those procedural Law & Order type shows, a CBS police drama. So, so, so bad. Now, that being said, this did teach me something. I've been praying recently about the future of this podcast, and if it's something I should continue, because I want to follow God's lead on how I should spend my time and try to do more to honor God, because I worry sometimes that I'm spending too much time focusing on Star Wars than my faith in reading the Bible. After this episode dropped, I found myself getting really worked up, upset, annoyed about this TV series. But the more I thought about it, was that maybe this episode was an indirect sign from God that I need to put my eyes on Him and not the things of this world, because they will always let you down. Now, of course, I'll always enjoy Star Wars to a certain extent, but I realize that God may be leading me out of treating it like a sacred cow, a sacred idol, and just to treat it as a parable or a metaphor, a symbolic thing to lead people towards Christ. So this abomination of an episode was kind of a blessing in disguise to help reset and reshape the priorities of my life. So I thank God for that. For that. For that. For that. Now let's get into the episode proper. The conspiracy topics we'll be discussing here in the final episodes are threefold. One, gun control. Two, robotics slash technology. And three, the downfall of civilization. The biblical themes we'll discuss afterwards are largely going to be about the parallels between the Mandalorians and their planet Mandalore, but the Old Testament Israelites in their capital city of Jerusalem, as there's quite a bit of connective tissue there regarding the destruction of their home worlds. First off, gun control. As we know in our world, any time a school shooting or mass tragedy occurs which involves firearms, there's immediately a call for gun control at various levels. In The Mandalorian, we see two gun control events. The first event, chronologically, is the gun control measures enacted against the planet of Mandalore during the Imperial Era. And the second event is the democratic vote for gun control measures on Plazir 15 during the New Republic Era for a safe and secure society, to quote Palpatine ironically. So here's a quote from Bo-Katan on the planet Mandalore, discussing the actions she took many years ago, where she essentially surrendered the planet to Moff Gideon and the Imperials. After our forces were annihilated in the Night of a Thousand Tears, and defeat was imminent, I met with Moff Gideon. The ISB had reached out to me to negotiate a ceasefire. In exchange for submitting to the Empire and disarming, all remaining cities in Mandalorian lives were to be spared. I didn't trust him, but it was the only chance I had to save our people. And then he betrayed me, and we were helpless to resist the purge of Mandalore.
So as we've typically seen throughout history, whenever people are disarmed due to gun control measures, the government starts killing the people that complied. And it's no different here. The Imperials were trusted to keep their word and not destroy the planet after the people disarmed. But of course that didn't happen. Now on the flip side, as if nothing was learned from history, the people of Plazir 15 in the New Republic era had enacted gun control legislation. For one, permission had to be granted to access self-defense information by scanning personal identification via a chain code, which is basically a device that stores all information about you as a person. And for two, the Plazir Society voted on gun measures within their city walls. Here's a quote. Our charter forbids any standing army from entering our city. Our constables aren't even allowed to carry blasters. And this is where the conundrum came in as there was an issue with malfunctioning droids causing havoc. But the people were helpless to defeat it, because they themselves voted to disallow weapons. Fortunately, Din Djarin and Bo-Katan were allowed to have weapons in an interesting way. Here's a quote about why. But you allowed us to be armed? Exactly. The people have voted we are a pluralistic society. You are Mandalorians. Weaponry and armor are intrinsic to your culture, are they not? They are. Now, I would think if such an exception would be allowed in our world in the future, all American gun owners would be claiming some sort of religious exemption, let's be honest. Now let's talk about robotics and technology. The people of Plazir 15 are not unlike the people here on Earth, obsessed with technology. They can't get enough of it, even to their detriment. The following clip is by a government official responsible for the droids, played by actor Christopher Lloyd, discussing why they can't just disable all droids throughout the city, in an attempt to quell the droid issues that are occurring. The citizens voted against any interruption in droid services. They can't live without it. And why is that? The citizens are no longer required to work. They can spend their days engaging in recreation, the arts, and participating in our direct democracy. If we shut down the droids, our citizens wouldn't know how to survive. Our society would collapse. So the symbolism is pretty transparent here. If you were to swap out the word droid with smartphone, most people would not know how to live their lives without their phones. Just think about it. People use them for navigation, sending messages, calendars, notes, you name it. Even though it's become well known how invasive the government and foreign entities are in infiltrating the information on our phones, we're still not willing to switch them off. We trade convenience for surveillance. And we're happy with it. Now, mind you, technology has enabled people to do great things, like sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ across the world to people who may not otherwise hear it or have access to physical churches. But for every positive thing like this, there's a zillion drawbacks to technology and how it affects our lives. I catch myself at times becoming very addicted to my phone, to social media, to YouTube, and other apps. It's a slippery slope that can become an idol in your life if you're not careful. And thirdly, now, let's talk about the downfall of civilization, a really cheery topic which will straddle the line between conspiracy and biblical discussion. George Lucas wrote in the prologue to the novel that accompanied the original Star Wars film that the Old Republic fell due to internal issues. He likened it to a tree that rotted from the inside out and died, 
not from an external force. Much is the same with the Mandalorian people. They prided themselves on becoming warriors and creating factions with leaders of factions, to the extent that all they did was hurt themselves. Here's Bo-Katan talking about that very thing. Our people have suffered time and again from division and squabbling factions. Mandalore has always been too powerful for any enemy to defeat. It is always our own division that destroys us. Destroys us. Now this will tie into the biblical parallels we'll discuss very soon. But the fall of Mandalore in the era of the Empire was much like the fall of Jerusalem in the Israelite people in the Old Testament to the Babylonians. The Empire was the one that cast the finishing blow on Mandalore. But it was the Mandalorians themselves that created the environment for that to happen. Similarly, the Israelites, through their constant turning away from God, created an atmosphere of paganism that was ripe for God to allow their enemies to attack and destroy. God had warned them many times about what would happen. And sure enough, it finally happened when Babylon destroyed them. Now, people in America love choosing political sides, whether right or left, and bickering back and forth about policies and narratives and social issues. But all that's just empty air. The elites that really run things continue to run things, because everyone else is distracted fighting each other. That's why I don't pick a political side anymore. The only side I align myself with is the kingdom of God and his son Jesus Christ. Because that is the side that will ultimately win, regardless of which party is currently in power now or in the future. So now let's get into some good Old Testament parallels. First, let's discuss Moff Gideon and his machinations to destroy the people of Mandalore. Here's some clips of him talking about this. And what is your security concern? Mandalorians. What? They continue to be an issue? They do. I am increasingly confident that they are preparing to retake their home world of Mandalore. Research in Mandalore would hamper our efforts. Which is why we need to stamp them out now. We shall be rid of the Mandalorians once and for all. Now these quotes seem to resonate with the machinations of Haman from the book of Esther in the Old Testament, who was hell-bent on destroying the Jewish people. Now the setting of the book of Esther is well after the Babylonian overthrow of Jerusalem, during the Persian Empire that reigned over most of the modern world after Babylon. The Jew Mordecai, cousin to Esther, who had recently become the Queen of Persia, was seen by the nobleman Haman to be an opposer to the king, since he did not bow down and acknowledge the ruling elite. So he therefore set out to annihilate the Jews, every single one. Now in this clip from the Mandalorian, one of the survivors of the Empire's purge of Mandalore said this in regards to why the Empire destroyed them. They punished us as a warning to the whole galaxy because we refused to surrender. Now in Esther chapter 3 verses 5 and 6, it states that when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. And he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had shown him the people of Mordecai. Wherefore, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes, 
even the people of Mordecai. Now, interestingly enough, Haman and Gideon's hatred towards a certain group of people served to rally these opponents against them and serve them up a fitting end. Haman is hung and Gideon is burned up in the destruction of his imperial base. Now let's go back farther in the biblical timeline to the destruction of Jerusalem. In the Mandalorian, we are told that Bo-Katan went and made a treaty with the Empire in Moff Gideon, but she was then betrayed. The Empire went back on their promise to destroy the planet and bombed and pillaged. In 2 Kings chapter 24, we are told the story of King Jehoiakim and how he became controlled by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, for three years. Jehoiakim then rebelled, and Babylon sent armies to fight Israel. Then when Jehoiakim's son Jehoiachin took over, Babylon again came in and besieged Jerusalem. And finally, a chapter later in chapter 25, when King Zedekiah is ruling, Babylon besieged Jerusalem again, and this time they succeeded in killing the king's sons and carrying the king away to captivity. Also in verse 9, they burnt the house of the Lord in the king's house, and all the houses of Jerusalem, in every great man's house, burnt he with fire. Now as you can see, similar to the Bo-Katan situation, all of this started with Jehoiakim attempting to ally himself with Babylon, which was a no-win situation. For one, Babylon was too powerful and untrustworthy to align with. Read the book of Habakkuk for God's description about the character of these people that were set to overthrow Israel. And for two, Israel had turned away from God. God's hedge of protection was removed, as he said it would be. And from Jehoiakim through Zedekiah, we are told in no uncertain terms that what these kings did was evil in the sight of the Lord. Flashback a few chapters before, during the reign of the wicked king Manasseh, God states in 2 Kings chapter 21, verse 15, Because they have done that which was evil in my sight and have provoked me to anger, since the day their fathers came forth out of Egypt, even unto this day. Now, by the point of the Babylonian takeover, Manasseh was already dead and gone, but the spirit of his idolatry and wickedness persisted in future generations. That is why God allowed his harsh judgment to be enacted. Now, a final parallel here to the Mandalorian in the Old Testament is in the destruction of the temple itself. The temple in Jerusalem was the cornerstone of worship to the Lord. It was completed during the reign of Solomon many years before, and it stood ever since. 2 Chronicles chapter 6 goes into the celebration of dedication of the temple and showcased a brief snapshot in the timeline of Israel where they had a leader who led with godly attributes and wisdom. However, when the temple was destroyed, it became a symbolic image of the downfall of the people and their failure to abide by God's laws. In the Mandalorian, the forge was very important in Mandalorian culture. They prided themselves on creating weapons and armor out of fire in a very ritualistic fashion, which we've seen time and time again in the series. Now, just as most other things on the planet Mandalore, the forge itself was destroyed during the Great Purge by the Empire. Here's a clip of the Mandalorians visiting these remains. Where are we? 
This is what's left of the Great Forge. This was once the heart of our civilization. The fires have been extinguished since the bombings. Now, however, even with the destruction of the Forge and the purge of Mandalore in years past, not all was lost. We saw at the end of the final episode, the Mandalorians were starting to rebuild their planet after defeating Moff Gideon and his troops. And this started with the relighting of the Great Forge, a great fire. Similarly, God's judgment on Israel didn't last forever. After many years, God moved in the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to release the Israelites from exile in Babylon back to their homeland. The books of Ezra and Nehemiah recount the stories of those who helped to rebuild the temple and the walls around the temple. Ezra chapter 6 verses 16 and 17 state, And the children of Israel, the priests and the Levites, and the rest of the children of the captivity, kept the dedication of this house of God with joy, and offered at the dedication of this house of God a hundred bullocks, two hundred rams, four hundred lambs, and for a sin offering for all Israel, twelve goats, according to the number of tribes of Israel. So here, a great fire is started as an inaugural sacrifice to God for their sins and to dedicate the new temple. 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 The symbolism with the returns of these societies back to their home worlds is very important. In both cases, mistakes were made and sins were committed. Sins tore apart their cultures and scattered their people to the far reaches of the world. But there was still a larger plan for them. So many stories throughout the Bible point to God using flawed people to accomplish great things. People who committed evil sins like Saul who became the Apostle Paul, one of the great persecutors of Christians before his conversion. Or Rahab the prostitute who assisted Joshua and his soldiers in overtaking the city of Jericho through her belief and conviction. Redemption is always possible for us, no matter what we've done. Christ's sacrifice on the cross has allowed that. You can always turn to Christ at any time to pray and ask for forgiveness, and to ask Him to help you live your life in a way that honors and glorifies Him. Now that does it for this episode in the season of The Mandalorian, and this season of the Conspiracy in the Force podcast. Now as I stated at the top of the episode, stay tuned for my future plans regarding this podcast because I'll be taking a bit of a break to focus on other things. As always, this has been Conspiracy Kyle, signing off. May the Force be with you, and God bless. God bless. God bless.